0: of Matthew chapter number 13, gospel of Matthew chapter 13, and I want to read a couple of verses of scripture there, beginning with verse 45. Next weekend, we'll be celebrating uh, 16th year pastoral anniversary services, and we're looking forward to that. I trust everybody will make a special effort to be here for those services. And uh, Brother Ben Weeks is going to be ministering, a tremendous and capable preacher of the gospel. And uh, if you have not uh, heard Brother Weeks, you're in for a treat. He has uh, been a blessing to our church several times and I always look forward to him being able to be with us. So we're looking forward to this coming weekend. Uh, Matthew chapter number 13 and verse 45, and again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he had round one pearl or found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. I just want to Speak directly from this text this morning and preach with the Lord's help, the pearl of great price, the pearl of great price. We need the Lord's help today. How many come to be ministered to? How many come to receive from the word of God? How many knows that we need something from the word of God this morning? And why don't you lift up your voice with me right now and let's pray together that the Lord God of heaven would touch us would help, would strengthen, and he would bless in this service today. Jesus, we need you. We pray, God, for your blessing to be upon the remainder of this service. We're asking, God, that your word would speak into the hearts of people and the lives of people here today. I pray, God, for your wonderful presence. Lord, to... Do a work, God, for each and every person that come hungry and desirous of you. We thank you and praise you and worship you for it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank God. You can be seated. I have uh, been ministering long enough to know that bad things do happen to good people. It's one of those things that we always grapple with, and uh, it's a question that is often presented by skeptics. Why is it that you believe in a God and serve a God and worship a God that would allow such things to happen? Why is there such tragedies in the world? Why is there some of the challenges that we face if there, in fact, is a God? But I am comfortable this morning in explaining that we serve Him and we have faith in Him. And the Scripture plainly tells us that it rains upon the just and the unjust alike. And that situations in life are going to take place. There will be trials, there will be tribulation, offenses, the scripture says, will come, and there's nothing that we can do to necessarily inoculate ourselves from them. We will all have to face uh, loss, there will be times if we live in this life there's going to be sickness, and uh, we will uh, see death and destruction and these sorts of things occurring in this world the idea that somehow that we'll get through life unscathed and unaffected by trouble is not a realistic approach and a lot of people try to romanticize living for god and and try to take all of that out and say you know if you just if you live for god then you'll never have another day of trouble you'll never have another trial you'll never have another challenge or difficulty. Well, I will not tell you that, but I will tell you that you will have somebody with you to strengthen you. You'll have someone to sustain you. You'll have the grace of God to carry you when you face such trials and situations in life. In other words, you don't have to go through them alone. The events of life and the situations of life That come should not define us, but it's our response to them that will in fact define our lives. If we turn to the Lord, if we learn how to seek Him, learn how to trust in Him and put our faith and our confidence in Him when trouble comes, then we can grow through those situations we can mature through those situations. And in fact, our faith will become stronger. Our relationship with God more secure than when it was than it was when we first entered into the trial. Than when we first came into the situation. And that's really the purpose of it. A lot of times we waste that purpose when we ask frivolous questions or we some way or another lose heart and lose faith in God during the midst of the trial that we're facing or going through, when those things happen, we waste the purpose of the trial and that particular challenge in our life when God intended it to be a strength to us. You know, resistance builds strength. We all understand that concept. And I believe that when you really view things in the perspective that God wants you to, you do understand that all of this has a purpose. God knows me better than I know myself. He knows my weaknesses. The Scripture says that He knows my frame. And He considers the fact that I am dust. He knows my areas of weaknesses. He knows the rough edges of my life. And so He allows certain things to happen in order to prepare me so that I'll be ready to meet Him. And that I'll be able to live with Him throughout all of eternity. Because everything that occurs in this life is in preparation for eternity. And I have to believe that God orchestrates it all. I don't believe in just happenstance when it comes to a child of God's life. I don't believe that just everything is random when it comes to a child of God's life. I don't believe that it's just incidental. That certain things occur. But I believe God has a hand. And He is the great orchestrator of things. And that if we'll trust in Him and understand that when those troubles come. He said, He made us a promise that He would never leave us. Nor would He ever forsake us. But would be with us. Even to the end of the world. Amen. There's no friend like Jesus. We describe him as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He's going to be there when the world walks out. He's going to stand with you when everybody else has fallen, when everybody else has failed. I'm thankful that I can depend upon the Lord. I can put my trust in him. In this particular passage, chapter 13 of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is describing or endeavoring to convey to his followers what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he uses several different metaphors to describe this or to articulate what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. And he says it's like a sower and the seed that he goes forth with. And he gives this illustration And he talks about the different types of soil that the seed falls upon. And I will not belabor the point. Most of us have either read this or heard it preached and taught upon in times past. But he said, as the seed is cast and broadcast upon the ground, upon the soil, some of it falls on the wayside. Some of it falls on stony ground. Some of it falls among thorns. And then he said there is some that falls on good ground. And then he begins to describe really what these four types of soils represent or what they're symbolic of. And he says the wayside. He said that's really unprepared ground. That's ground that has not been uh, plowed up or tilled. And it's not prepared to receive the seed. And you and I have known people... It does not matter how much you endeavor to win them or witness to them or talk to them about the Lord. At that particular moment of their life, they're just simply not ready for it. They're not ready to receive the word of the Lord. And therefore, the the fowl of the air comes because it does not really get down to the soil and to the ground. The fowl comes along and swoops up the seed and steals it away. And that is an indication of the enemy of the soul that comes before the seed can find lodging place in the heart because the ground is not really prepared and because it's not ready and it's not received, then the fowl comes and steals it away. And we've all seen that before really the word of God could be uh, received into a person's spirit before they saw a need for it perhaps in their life. The enemy come and distracted them and uh, they got carried away with something else and they did not continue uh, in endeavoring to serve God. And then he talks about the stony ground. He said this is a soil that is not very deep. There's a stone surface underneath uh, the, the shallow soil And yes, it seems like at first that the soil is receiving the seed and it shoots up, but because it does not have deep roots and unable to receive the resources and the nutrients that it needs, when the sun comes and beats upon it, it withers away. It does not last because it is stony soil. And then he talks about those that, are cast among the thorns. And we understand what he's speaking about there and how that when the seed begins to grow and mature, that thorns come up and choke out the life of the plant that has been uh, planted there in the ground. Uh, The soil is extensible, everything's okay, but there's thorns that are around it. And he likened this to the cares of life and how that the situations and trials and circumstances can arise. And that takes all of a person's time and energy, uh, resisting and trying to survive in the cares of life. And they become consumed by them and ultimately destroyed by them. Uh, We could take just a moment there and preach about that, that The enemy can try various ways to destroy and to circumvent the will of God coming to pass in a child of God's life. And one of those things that we're aware of, the Bible says to not be ignorant of his devices, the enemy's devices. One of the things that we're acutely aware of is the fact that there's cares and concerns Worries and stresses and pressures in this life, if not managed, if you don't learn how to turn them over to God and trust in the Lord and learn how to pray and leave those cares in the hands of God because he said, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. He said, Take my yoke upon you, for it's easy, and my burden is light. Amen. Don't yoke yourself with all the pressures of this life and think you can handle it all by yourself. It was never intended for you to do so. There's some burdens in life that you have to allow the Lord to help you with if you're going to survive. There's some situations in life that are so heavy that you're going to have to learn how to trust in God if you're going to make it. You're going to have to depend upon the grace of God if you're going to survive. You're going to have to pray that the Lord help you through if you're going to make it through that situation that you're facing. And so it's imperative that you not allow the thorns of life, the cares of life to choke the spiritual life out of you. And he said that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he said if you don't get it from that, let me let me give you another illustration. And he tells a, a, another aspect or facet of what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. He said there was a man that went out and planted a field that he thought the seed that he was sowing was wheat and it was he intended to harvest a crop of wheat when the time came. That was his intention. He went out and plowed at the right time. He planted at the right time. He nurtured it and he fertilized it. He did his best to make sure that it was irrigated properly. But at a certain point, he woke up one morning and walked out and looked upon the field and he could see tears among the wheat. And if you've studied about this, you know that tares in their initial stages, in the beginning, they can look almost identical to wheat, and it's only at a certain point that you can even distinguish the difference between the two, wheat and tear. And when he noticed this, he knew that they had been there for quite some time, and he surmised that an enemy hath done this, because I know that I planted wheat in this field. Now, there's a principle here that I want to bring out this morning. Most of us, most of us understand the law of sowing and reaping. We understand that things that happen to us in life largely happen to us because that's what we invested in life or that's what we planted. And as a result of what we planted, that's what we harvest. You cannot plant one type of seed and expect something else to come up. You cannot plant uh, one type of thing and expect another entire uh, different result at the end or at harvest time. But you have to accept the fact that whatever I sow, whatever type of seed that I put in the ground, that's the type of harvest that I'm going to have. So it's no surprise when harvest time comes that if you've been planting seeds, uh, a uh, bitterness you've been planting seeds of hate you've been planting seeds of anger you've been planting seeds of of offense then those things come to harvest and and at the end it only multiplies and becomes worse but on the other end of the spectrum if you in the midst of 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 the time of planning when you're investing and there's not a lot sometimes to go on or a lot of inspiration to do so, you in faith, you plant praise and worship and adoration to God. You plant faith and trust in the Lord and reliance upon God. You invest in His kingdom when the harvest time comes. And how many knows it comes around exactly when we need it to. Many times when we need it to the most, what we have done previously in our relationship with God is what will see us through the difficult trials that we're facing in the present moment. Amen. I'm going to tell you that a lot of times when we face things that we don't see how in the world we're going to make it through, it's not the strength that we feel right then, but it's the buildup of prayer and worship and faithfulness and living for God consistently that causes us to have the strength and the fortitude to say, I've come too far. I've been a part of this too long to quit and to give up, to turn my back and to throw in the towel. At this point, because I've got so much invested in what is right, I think I can make it. I think I can hold on. I think I can make it through. Oh, somebody ought to give some praise to the Lord. That's why. Uh, recently I've been, I've been really heavy on, on telling you that you need a history with God. You need to develop a relationship with God where you made some investments in the kingdom of God. It's a ho- whole lot easier to walk away from God and to give up on serving God if you have placed an investment in the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord people that haven't paid a price, people that haven't given nothing of themselves, people that have shirked their commitment to God, they've not fully consecrated themselves to the Lord. It's a lot easier for them to backslide when bad things begin to happen. It's a whole lot easier for them to walk away when the enemy attacks them. But you take somebody that has given their all and their everything, when they've when they've sown in tears at an altar and said, God, I give you my... My whole heart. I give you Every everything within me. I dedicate myself to you. I want to serve you. I'm committed to you. Amen. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds or the future is going to be. I've made that decision that I'm going to live for God. That is the kind of person that when a trial comes and believe me, they will. Amen. When the rain begins to fall and the wind begins to blow and the storm is surrounding you Amen, you can stand firm and know that God is going to be with me. I've got too much invested to quit now. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give some praise to the Lord. Most of what happens happens as a result of what we plant. But this is one of those spare occasions when he looks out and he says, I know what I, what type of seed that I sowed in this field. I know what, what kind of investment I made. And I'm not seeing the results of that. I planted wheat and I see tares. An enemy hath caught me unawares. An enemy has came in unbeknownst to me and sowed among the wheat. I'm going to tell you there is those times when the enemy comes and the enemy endeavors to destroy and to wipe out. But you know what that we see embedded in this story is he's encouraged by the fact, in essence, if I could just give my own synopsis of it, he's encouraged by the fact that, that when he looks out there, there is far more wheat than there is tares. And he's encouraged by the fact that right now is not the time to go out and start plucking the tares, but right now is a time to just trust God. And when harvest time comes, it can be separated. And I'm still going to have a harvest. And I'm going to trust the Lord and put it in His hands. And I'm not going to overreact. You know, when the enemy begins to attack people, a lot of times they overreact instead of just trusting God and being patient that God is going to work it out. Oh, and I know that a lot of you are looking, looking at me a little skeptical this morning, but that's the truth anyway. Amen. Sometimes you just have to be patient and realize that if, I, if I'll just trust God, that He's in this thing with me, that He is a partner in this with me. I'm not in this by myself. I'm not doing this alone. And that if I put my confidence in Him, at the end of the day, He's going to take care of it, uh, and there's going to be a harvest, uh, and He, if I'll allow Him, will accept separate the tear from the wheat. I don't have to get into that. I don't have to worry about that. I don't need to go out there and start overreacting because if I do, I'm going to tear up the harvest that God has for me. And how many times has people tried to interject themselves into situations and put their hands on it and it destroyed and tore up more than it fixed when if they'd only trusted God and had faith in his process and let him take care of it and keep on believing God, keep on coming to the house of God and let Up your hands and worshiping the Lord. Keep on doing what you know is right. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on. He said, I'm just going to keep on watering this field. I'm going to keep on, amen, cultivating this field. And at the end of the day, God's going to take care of it. God's going to work it out. And that's what He'll do for you. If you won't become hasty and impatient, but let God work in the process, God will take care of it for you. I have to believe that God's able to do that. I said I had to believe that God is great enough to do that, big enough to do that, if I'll just let Him take care of it. Amen. Amen. You know, we, 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 start, we start thinking way too far ahead sometimes. Amen. A little crisis comes up, and you start thinking in terms of, well, this is the end. Time's up. Amen, something starts happening, something gets a little shaky and 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 people they just want to storm in where angels fear to tread. Come on, it pays to be careful, my friend and i don 't know why that I would, would spend so much time right here, but I really feel I'm in the Holy Ghost at this particular moment to tell somebody: you need to be careful and be patient and let God do His work. And if you'll let God do His work, He'll take care of the situation for you. Amen. And, and when it's all said and done, it'll be done right and it'll be perfect, and, and there won't be any there won't be any going back and having to make retribution for things. We could save a lot of face if we distrust God. We'd have to go back and correct wrongs if we distrust God. A whole lot less apologies need to be made if we'll distrust God whole lot less of coming before God and saying, I'm sorry I got involved in that and I, I messed things up. I didn't see at the moment what you were doing. Why? Because you were blinded by emotions. You were blinded by everything that was going on at the moment. Come on, take your hands off of it and let God put His hands on it and take care of it for you. And if you'll let Him, there'll be more wheat than tares at the end of the day. Because there's always more good than there is bad. I said there's always more greatness in God than there is anything else. And there's more grace than there is the working of the enemy. God is working. It will just trust Him. We've got to give our opinion sometimes. We've got to give our take on the situation sometimes. We've got to express ourselves. And God doesn't have a chance sometimes to work. He said that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And then he spoke about the treasure of the field. The man who is plowing the field. It doesn't belong to him. He's maybe a sharecropper. He's plowing in the field. Maybe he's just a worker that works for uh, the man that owns the field. But when he discovers, his plow hangs up on this treasure and he discovers what it is, he doesn't tell anybody. And he goes and he does whatever is necessary and pays whatever price to purchase the entire field. Now there is treasure in that entire field. That doesn't mean that's the only thing. There's one place where there's treasure. There's one area where there's treasure there's one thing that he's desirous of in that field that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that was in that entire field in fact there's a lot of rocks there's snakes there's briars there's insects if you've ever taken a walk in in a field you know there's chiggers and red bugs or whatever they are and they'll find you I promise you that All of you that are uh, into nature and been out in the woods, any you you know what I'm talking about. And, And so all of those things are a part of the field also. And sometimes we think, all I want is the good. All I want is the blessings. All I want is to take out and extract what I desire and what I will to have. But you know what? He purchased the whole field. And in life, you got to take the whole thing. And you got to learn to live with the whole thing. And you got to learn to work with the whole thing. You cannot just become so transfixed with just the treasure that you forget that there's the rest of the field that has to be cultivated and worked with and worked through. There's gonna be briars to deal with, there's gonna be rocky land to deal with, there's gonna be there's gonna be insects and there's going to be wild beasts and, and there's going to be uh, things that that are dangerous perhaps to me that are out there and I, I must I must uh, deal with it. I must uh, face those challenges as they come along. One thing's for sure, I cannot just uh, receive the treasure and not deal with the rest of the field. Life comes in a package, my friend. It's not all just blessings. It's not all just skipping on the Milky Way. But you got to deal with life. And that's a part of the package. And God wants you. He wants your faith to be matured. He wants you to learn how to walk with Him. He wants you to learn how to depend upon him and he'll help you deal with every obstacle he'll help you take that's what the kingdom of heaven is like praise the Lord however when he goes to describing what endurance and longevity and making it long term is to the kingdom of God and going all the way he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl. Now, you do understand that this particular analogy was a bone caught in the throat of the Jewish mindset because this really flies in the face of the Hebrew people because the pearl was not considered to them to be a treasure. Matter of fact, it really didn't have any value at all to them. The reason was is because of their dietary laws, they considered the pearl to come from an unclean source. The Jewish people lived by these dietary laws that restricted that they not eat certain animals, such as pork, mussels, clams, oysters. Uh, they couldn't eat certain uh, fowl of the air that were predatory birds. No eagle, no vulture, no no bird like that. Uh, those were not things that was a part of their diet. They could not partake of those things. And the oyster was one of those things that was restricted. So... What is the point that Jesus is endeavoring to make in all of this? The point is, is that life isn't perfect, nor is the kingdom of God filled with perfect people. So many people make the tragic mistake of wasting a perfect situation or waiting on a perfect situation before they act or they commit or they involve themselves or they get engaged in the work of God. They, they want everything to line up. They want everything to be just right. And I'm going to tell you that kind of attitude is futile. It's a waste of time. Spending an exorbitant amount of time asking why is a waste of energy. Asking Why is it that everything is not perfect in my life? That is a waste of energy. Strong saints learn how to embrace difficult times. Strong saints of God learn how to embrace troubles and the challenges of their life and transform them into strength and allow this to feed their faith when Israel was overwhelmed by enemies that they encountered in the promised land. They could have said, why is this that this is is happening? This is what has been called the promised land. This is the place that God has given us that flows with milk and honey. And when they questioned, why is there giants and why is there foes and why is there walled cities and why is there enemies that come against us? The word of the Lord came to them in Numbers 14 and 9 and said only rebel not ye against the Lord neither fear ye the people of the land for they are bread for us their defense is departed from them and the Lord is with us fear them not and when I looked at that phrase that said they are bread for us Amen. In other words, what you look at as an enemy, what you look at as something to destroy you is actually there to nurture your faith. It's actually there to help you to grow stronger. It's a bread to you. I'm going to help you to overcome. I'm going to feed you with victory. I'm going to feed you with triumph. And when you go from this triumph, you're going to be greater. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be ready for the next victory. You're going to go from this place to a greater battle and a greater place and that's what living for God is all about. When I make it through this test I'm ready for the next test and I'm stronger for God than I was before. I'm better for Him than I used to be. When I make it through this trial, amen, then I know that God is able not only to keep me in that but if He can keep me in that then He can keep me in whatever I'm facing right now. God can take care of me if He can heal Heal me, amen, of this, that he can heal me of whatever it is that I'm encountering now. If he can take care of me and provide for me in this situation, I know that he can provide for me in that situation. Come on, let's lift up our hands and give praise to the Lord. So with each victory, my faith becomes stronger. With each trial... My trust becomes greater in God. I was speaking to a friend of mine about a mutual friend that we have in ministry. And uh, this man, the Lord, is blessed phenomenally. Great church. Probably one of the greatest churches that I've ever had the privilege of preaching in. Revival Church. It has the reputation of being one of the greatest revival churches. And yet there has been enormous challenges in his life. Not only extreme health challenges that could have destroyed and totally crushed him, and on multiple occasions caused him to have setbacks to be months debilitated where he couldn't minister, couldn't preach, couldn't do anything, and then... In his own family and home, some of the challenges that he faced and went through. And when I was talking to my friend, I said, I just wonder what this particular man could have done had he not had. I mean, you know, he's done so well. He's been blessed so much. I just wonder what he could have been had he not had some of these challenges, had not faced some of these situations in life. My friend replied, quite possibly not as much. And I was shocked, but then I realized what he was saying. He probably wouldn't be as great as he is had he had not faced some of those things that he faced it, faced in life and and that tempered him and caused him to have to trust and put his faith in God and, and and rely upon the lord and 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 pray and seek God in a way that he maybe would not have had he not been challenged with these things. But because he's been knocked flat of his back, because he's had struggles, because he's had pressures, uh, all, in, all through his life and ministry. He's emerged from them trusting the Lord and believing in God and putting his faith in God. And he's walked through those things. I'm going to tell you, you can't walk through life bubble wrapped. You have to accept it and embrace it that I'm a child of God and God's going to take care of me. And when He takes care of me, it doesn't mean He's going to insulate me from all trouble and He's going to protect me from every problem. Amen. That doesn't build character. That does not Prepare me for the rapture. That doesn't make you more like Jesus. But I'll tell you what makes you more like Jesus is when you've been betrayed and you forgive. When you've suffered heartbreak. Amen. And you're still gracious. And you're still kind. And you still trust God. And you still have faith in God. And you still come to church and you worship the Lord. Amen. When you're sick in your body and you face some crisis that you don't understand why it's happened or why it's taken place. You know what makes you more like Jesus is when you come to the house of God and say I don't know why it hasn't happened but I believe he's able. I believe he can. I believe he will. Praise the Lord. You know what makes you more like Jesus is when people reject you and you don't get bitter. When people don't accept you and you don't feel ill at them but you still forgive them. You're still kind to them. When you face hardships and you retain your faith in God. That what makes you more like Jesus. Not when you talk about what happened to you 20 years ago. Not when you talk about the wrong that was done to you 25 years back. But when you understand this is part of life and I embrace it and God is going to help me with it and I depend upon Him and trust in Him. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. In pain you can still praise God. When hurting you can still worship the Lord. David. Oh, so many so many things that we find from the life of David. But I can't think of anybody. We like to talk about him slaying giants and being the greatest king of Israel and the man after God's own heart and writing all those beautiful psalms and whipping all those Philistines and all those great deeds that he did. Accomplishments in the word of God that we read about, that we're inspired by. But if you ever thought about a young man that's coming just to do what his father asked him to do, just to do the will of the father and bring some gifts to his brethren, And he's made fun of and mocked as meddling in business that is not his. They laugh at him when he tells them that he feels like God would give him victory over this giant. And when he goes before Saul, Saul looks at him and said, "You're, you're you're just a child, you're just a youth, just a boy. But then when he whips the giant, This same man turns on him when he should have been thankful. When he should have been appreciative. And does his best to ensnare him in some type of a situation that will cost him his life. And and David, though he knows what's going on, he just keeps dodging javelins. and He keeps walking. The Bible says at one point he said there's just a step between me and death. I'm just a little bit ahead of it. But God, I'm just going to keep on living for you and serving you. Sometimes he had to sleep in dark, damp, moldy caves instead of in the warm bed of a home that he had left all of this for. Perhaps he's thinking to himself, you know what, if I just minded my own business. No. I started out doing the will." Of my father. And now I understand. That I'm doing the will of my heavenly father. And I'm just going to keep on doing that. Though I don't have all the answers in the blanks field, And I don't get it all. But I'm just going to keep walking with God. And trusting the Lord. The prophet had came out to his house. And emptied the bottle of oil. Or the horn of oil upon his head. Said, you're gonna be the next king of Israel. He didn't tell him when it was gonna happen. And now he lives for fifteen years, I think it is. Between that time and the time that he finally arises to be the king of Israel. And there's a whole lot of things that happen in that period of time. And yet, when news comes that his tormentor, Saul, has been slayed on the battlefield. He said, we're not going to rejoice about it. We're not going to pump our fist in the air. We're not going to say how great of a deal this is. Matter of fact, we're going to grieve because this was a man that was anointed. And this was a man that God had his hand upon at one point. And we need to be gracious, and we need to understand that God, God is going to judge our response and how we treat this situation. And so we better keep the right attitude. Amen. Sometimes attitudes are not just revealed at a low point. Sometimes attitudes are revealed when a person's blessed and that they're at the high point. And In David's life, he said, I know how to keep the right attitude in the highs and the lows. And so in Psalms 37, he said, I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, we, we use that. We talk about that scripture. We quote that scripture. We kind of just breeze over it. But do you realize who, who was pinning that scripture and what he was really saying this is a man that had lived it out amen when I was in the dark cave I praised the Lord and when I was sitting on the throne of Israel I praised the Lord amen I didn't forget him when I was in the cave and I didn't forget him when I got on the throne amen I remembered him when I was on the battlefield and I remembered him when I was in the palace courts I remembered him when I was faced with insurmountable odds at sea like and I remembered him when I sat down at my banqueting table in the evening and look at the great spread that God had blessed me with and had provided for me I could still praise him I bless the Lord at all times good times bad times high times low times I bless the Lord at all times and his praise what's the depths of your praise this morning is your praise only superficial is it only when you're feeling just right is it only when everything is just perfect. Uh, amen. But do you understand that He's still worthy no matter how I feel in body. No matter what is going on currently. He's still worthy of my praise. Come on let's really give some praise unto the Lord this morning. And when He was in the low time Psalms 118 I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. You show me any saint of God in Scripture you want to that has been successful, and I'll show you someone that endured. Failure is as much a teacher to us as success is sometimes, perhaps more. We learn more from brokenness than we do from blessings of times. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9 down through about verse 11. It talks about Paul and the thorn that came to him in the flesh. And he prayed about it, not on one occasion, but he asked the Lord three times to remove it, to distract it, get rid of it. I could do so much more for you if I could only get rid of this. And he said, that Jesus spoke to him and said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul's response, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Glory in infirmities? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. He goes on and talks about pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Sound like an oxymoron. No, not when you understand what Paul came to the revelation of. When you get a new perspective, you don't view your problem the same way. But you even learn how to praise God for it because, God, you're showing me something that I never would have seen before. You're revealing something to me that would have never came to me any other way. I'm learning something about you I would have never learned outside of this difficulty. I know this type of a message probably won't minister to everybody. But you tuck it away in your heart because at some point you're going to find yourself needing it. That oyster scuttles along on the bottom of the ocean floor, and it's kind of scavenging around, and it picks up some type of irritant. Maybe it's a little sharp object, a little larger than normal granule of sand, and it doesn't have any hands to extract it, no means to get rid of it. This sharp, jagged object is hurtful, and so it turns it over and over, and it cuts, it harms. Sometimes we think that if we can just think about this long enough, I'll, I'll think of something that'll help me get out of this situation. I'm going to tell you, turning things over in your mind is not praying. And the more you think about it doesn't mean that that's going to take care of it. The more you worry on it, you you, you you that doesn't mean that you're gonna you're gonna be able to find a way out of it. Sooner or later, you got to come to the altar, amen, and not be guilty of just overthinking things. But but learn how to trust God with it and say, God, I'm gonna pray about this instead of me thinking that I can do it on my own. I'm gonna learn how to turn it over to you at this point right here in the early stages of it. A whole less, a whole lot less harm would be done if we would learn how to turn it over to the Lord first and depend upon Him rehashing it and, and, and over and over again thinking about it and turning it over in my mind that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to end with an answer or a solution so that oyster he realizes this is an irritant that he can't get rid of and so, in his nature, in the way that God created him, he excretes some enzymes that begins to coat that, that granule, that sharp object, whatever it is that is an irritant. And which, with each coating, it, it, it smooths it out. Many of you have seen beautiful pearls that were found from an oyster. Little you, little did you realize all the pain that that little oyster had to endure and go through to get to that point, and the many coats uh, and and dealing with that of that enzyme that was placed over that irritant until it became that beautiful pearl. I wish I could tell you that sometimes you come come to an altar and, and every time it works this way that suddenly it's just. It just everything just goes away, and it's better sometimes you got to keep coming back, and you got to keep coating it with prayer, and you got to keep letting the spirit move on you and you got to keep getting in the presence of the lord but each time you do it each time you come to the house of god and you get in the presence of god it feels like just another coat of his presence comes upon you and another touch of god's glory comes upon you and God amen allows you to to make something beautiful out of that situation and that trial and that difficulty and that challenge that is in your life that that was meant to destroy you that that was meant to bring you down that 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 was meant to, to be a peril that would totally take you out uh, suddenly God is making something beautiful and it didn't happen just in one service and it didn't just happen because of one visit to the altar but you continually trusted God you continue to believe the Lord you continue to be faithful to it you continue to come into his presence uh, you continue to worship him you continue to pray and seek after him and little and by little God is making something beautiful in your life now faith is fully developed trust has developed and a walk with God has emerged from it is there any wonder why that the entrance of the city the new Jerusalem the Bible says is gates of one pearl is there any Any mystery to that? I'm going to tell you, if you make it to that city, it's going to be because you were able to handle challenges and difficulties and trials and situations with the grace of God and learned how to depend upon Him and trust in Him and didn't quit and didn't give up and and didn't throw in the towel but you you allowed God to work through that to develop some things in your life so that you you could serve him better and be for him what he desired you to be and he was able to knock some rough edges off here and he was able to smooth down some areas of your life here why is it that the entrance of that city is gates made of one pearl I'll tell you why that's representative of the fact that if you get there there's going to be some things that you're going to have to overcome and you're going to have to get victory over there's going to be some griefs and there's going to be some trials and there's going to be some troubles but God is able to help you to overcome every one of them Every situation, everything, grace is greater. Amen. The mercies of God are greater. The power of God is able. God is able to deliver you from every temptation. He's able to bring you out of every struggle that you go through. If you'll just keep walking with Him. Don't give up, child of God. Keep walking with Him and He'll take you through. Why don't you stand to your feet with me right now. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Let's talk to Him together. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Would you lift up your voice to Him right now? Would you seek the face of God right now? Would you call on His name right now? I thank you, Jesus. I worship you, O oh Lord. I give adoration to you, precious God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps there's somebody that we're preaching to here today. Reaching for here today. Maybe when you entered into this service, you didn't quite get it. You didn't understand it. You didn't. It's hard to grasp it. Hard to know why. How come? How could anything beautiful, how could any treasure, how could anything valuable come out of this? Why has this occurred or fell out like it has? But if you'll allow the grace of God and the mercies of God and the presence of the Lord to help you here this morning. I can't guarantee it'll be today, but if you'll keep coming back to the altar and keep coming back to the place of prayer and keep coming back into the presence of the Lord time after time god's applying something else another another coat of his mercy another coat of his grace another another opportunity at his presence suddenly things begin to come into perspective and you begin to see the beauty of it god you're making something beautiful here i didn't see it i didn't understand it but you was trying to make something beautiful all alone you was going to take this trial and show me just how great you're able to bring victory and how wonderful it is hallelujah 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 i don't know if i'm helping anybody today but i i just doing i'm just doing what i feel in the holy ghost amen praise god he said this is what the kingdom of heaven is like this is what the kingdom of heaven is like oh yes there may have been some crushing blows there may have been some Seemingly insurmountable situations. There may have been some things that you question. Why in the world is this happening to me? But God is able right now to strengthen us. Come on, don't be afraid to wrap your arm around a brother or sister in the Lord. Don't don't feel like it would be unacceptable to, to reach over and to pray with somebody. Oh, but let's be sensitive. Let's be sensitive. Let's be open to pray with a brother or a sister here this morning. Let's be open to let the Spirit of God move. God's going to help somebody. He said, Paul, you don't understand. My grace is sufficient. When you're weak, I'm strong. When you feel like you're just about to break... That's when I've got things in my hands and I'm in control. And you're not. If you'll just trust me, I'll take care of it. I'll watch over you. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray, church. I don't know. I feel so fervent about this. Hallelujah. I feel so fervent about this. Come on, there's some people that need to be helped here today. God's wanting to reach to you and God's wanting to help you this morning. If you'll accept it. God's wanting to help you this morning if you'll accept it. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is sufficient. Thank you, Savior. Thank you, Savior. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's all right to weep in the presence of the Lord. It's all right to be broken in the presence of the Lord. Oh, yes, you're teaching me something in this brokenness. Through these tears, I'm learning something. I'm learning how to trust you, God. I've leaned on my flesh long enough. I've tried to lean on my own understanding long enough. And I found out I can't do it. I need you, Jesus. I need your help in my marriage. I need your help in my home. I need your help with my children. I need your help. God in the situation I need your help in the finances I need your help oh God I need your help come on when you're going to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt you so that he can work for you so that he can truly help you hallelujah 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 come on mother turn it over to God come on father turn it over to God Come on, young person. Turn it over to God. Come on, young married couple that's feeling the financial strain. Turn it over to God. Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, God. I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, we need to pray, church. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to press on in. Maybe you're not feeling the burden of prayer, but maybe you could see somebody else here that needs to touch God this morning and that is praying. Why don't you pray with them? Why don't you pray with them? God can help through this. God can minister through this. God is going to speak to us today. God's going to encourage somebody. God's going to bless somebody. God's going to raise somebody up. Oh, yes. He's going to reassure someone today. Hallelujah. He's going to reassure. He's going to put understanding in this situation. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Why is it that I I continue to pray about this and I can't seem to get an answer? Why is it that the sickness won't leave? Why is it that when I agonize about this problem, it seems like it only grows worse? It's because we're not at the end yet, folks. God's working. You may not be able to see it, but He is working. And He's working for your good. If you're His child, He's working for you. I said He's working for you. You can, you can, th- you can throw your cares at the feet of Jesus and know He's concerned and know He's going to help you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God.